Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Today we're going to be reading through Revelation chapter 9, but this broadcast is going to be scheduled to be playing Friday as in the afternoon of the conference, October 4, 5, and 6, the Understanding End Time Conference uh, in Evansville, Indiana. But before I get into talking about Revelation, of course, and I'm making this Thursday morning, I guess it's 10.09 a.m., but since I'm going out of town, I have to make several broadcasts in advance, and this is one that I have to make in advance, obviously. But anyway, uh, before I get into that, I wanted to kind of give you a little update on what I see is coming. I think that the arrests, I'm talking about the 120,000 people, I think that's very close. The more the Dems scream impeach, the more they try to get Trump out, the more that we can rest assured that the arrests are, in fact, very close and constantly, every month, increasing in number. Now, the last number I heard, which was two months ago, was 120,000. We haven't been able to get any updated numbers since then, which might also point to the fact that it's getting very close. The arrests are tied to a major financial change for the better, which I believe prophecy says will be hijacked and eventually become the world system so that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark and the name of the beast or the number of his name. Since Jeremiah 51... Verse 9 says, We would have healed Babylon, but she would not be healed. I take that to mean that this, meaning the 120,000 rests, this is America's final chance to heal. Now, according to Sundar Salvarej, that healing is not a big repentance rally, but rather what we today would call the arrests. You remember Moses, when he came down from the mountain, he found people worshiping the golden calf. Then he commanded the Levites to take their sword and to go and kill every one of them that had worshipped that golden calf and his brother. Go look it up. Whoever had worshipped the idol was killed. Why? To purify the tribe. Well, apparently these 120,000 some odd rests is God's attempt to purify the tribe, or in our case, to heal America. But... Prophecy says America doesn't receive the healing. My opinion, instead of America thanking God for cleansing these filthy, corrupted, sex-trafficking-type individuals from our nation, instead of thanking him for cleansing our nation, instead, they start fighting against the government. Remember, that was Dmitry Dudeman's prophecy. Then, of course, Russia attacks. I believe that these are the closing days for America. The balances are now being weighed for this nation. If this nation is not purified, like in the days of Moses, God will bring the destruction as prophesied. Now, let me jump to the prophetic meeting. Right now, we have about 170 people reserved coming from Prophecy Club, and the church says they have about 120 people signed up, so that means we should have uh, the ballpark around 250 people there, and I believe that's very exciting. Now, something I haven't told you. This Evansville meeting started out with a simple invitation for me to speak. Then, of course, they wanted Leslie to come, and then they wanted me to promote it through Prophecy Club. Then we decided instead of just doing one two-hour talk, we were going to do four two-hour talks. Now, my daughter is going to lead praise and worship. She's the one that led praise and worship at the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade, and she does an awesome job. And we have about a total of eight people from our staff going to Evansville and we're going to be recording it, and there's some other things that may be, may be about to happen, but it may be that this ministry is about to explode. We'll see 
We'll see what God does. Uh, But I will say this, that nothing happens without prayer. So all of you out there that would like to see powerful things happen in our nation, this is an opportunity. So please remember this in all of your prayers out there. Okay, so let's get started into Revelation chapter 9 today. I want to remind you also, at this Evansville crusade, one of the things I want to do is to lay hands on each person and anoint them with oil for them to receive two things. The spirit of revelation that I received when I memorized the book of Revelation and to be able to walk in the sevenfold miracles when they begin to arrive on earth. One of these prophecies said, and this came from Andre Bronckhorst, he says, you have a gift of revelation. It's a gifting. It's not normal. The greatest scholars in the world today don't have this gift. You've got a gift that's upon you. I hear God saying as a sign, your sons and daughters, that means you folks out there, will carry the same revelation. Means that when I've laid hands on someone, I've anointed them with oil and prayed that they receive the spirit of revelation, they also, and here's what it says, will open up their eyes to see as well. Their eyes. They will be enlightened. They will witness, and they will see it's not secondary information. In other words, what they're getting is not from someone else, but they will begin to receive revelations. The same revelation will come forth in their lives as well as in this season, meaning that he's given me the authority to not only know that I have received the spirit of revelation, but also to pass that spirit of revelation on to other people. So I encourage you somehow, if there's any way possible, that you make it to Evansville, Indiana, even though I realize that you're listening to this and it starts this evening, it starts Friday evening, but if there is a way under heaven to get there, please do. I believe that this is going to be a life-changing experience. Okay, so let's get into Revelation chapter 5. Now, when I receive these anointings, these revelations, one of the white revelations that I received is that how revelation is laid out. And I was shown the secret door. And the word for the secret door is first fruits. And that secret door links the Feast of Leviticus to the prophecies of Revelation. And for the first time, possibly for the first time in world history, God has shown us how we can understand the events and how they are placed in chronological order. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Some people think that Revelation plays out 1 through 21. In other words, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials all play in order. Well, problem is, if you start trying to do that, it doesn't line up. Then I used to be one that think that, well, it's more like a cake, a layered cake. In other words, you have the seven seals on top, seven trumpets in the middle, and then the seven vials at the bottom. And the first seal, the first trumpet, the first vial sort of play all about or on about the same time. Well, that was incorrect too. But now we know the correct answer because one of the things I received, an audible voice that said the seven seals play over seven years, the seven trumpets play over seven months, and the seven vials play over seven days. Well, we're going to start in Revelation chapter 9. Okay, so where is this? Well, this is the fifth trumpet. And that is talking about specifically, it's about to say, 
that at this point, mankind has about five months until Jesus returns on trumpets to destroy the heavens and the earth and make a new heaven and a new earth. So at this point, we have about five months before Jesus returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You recall that he returns two more times. The next time he returns on the Feast of First Fruits, walks around on Mount Zion for 50 days, and then the dead in Christ shall rise first, happens on Pentecost, and then the wheat and the barley, meaning those 144,000 and those people who are ready, then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. About four months later is the grape harvest on trumpets, which is the day of the Lord. It's the day that Jesus returns to burn the tares. So at this point, this is about five months away from the burning of the tares. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star, that's an angel, as in a good angel, an angel from God, fall from heaven and to, it, to the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. All right, hold on. What's the bottomless pit? On trumpets, which is the same day we're talking about, the second return of Jesus. When Jesus returns, that's when an angel is given the key to the bottomless pit, and he binds Lucifer for a thousand years and casts him into the bottomless pit and shuts him up and set a seal in him that he deceived the nations no more till the thousand years are finished. This is the same bottomless pit. There is a place where people can fall and fall and fall and fall for all eternity and never stop falling. That's what he's talking about. To him was given the key of the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now, I used to think that, well, it must be that smoke of the pit that causes the sun and the air and the moon and the stars and all of those to be darkened, and the day shone not and the night likewise. Actually, that's not correct. That's a whole other scenario. We'll get there. But essentially, what that one is talking about is when eternity invades time. That's not what this is talking about. This is a literal crack in the earth where the smoke from the great furnace comes up and the sun and the air are darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, if you want to understand this, you have to hear the word locusts. It didn't say horses. There are three woes. There are locusts, horses, and frogs. This is not a horse. This is a locust, a flying insect, and he's about to describe it. The reason I say that is because here in just a minute, it's going to describe them as horses prepared unto battle. Now, it's not saying the horses. It's just saying that these locusts have these tough outside skins. They're not easy to kill. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And to them was given powers the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Okay, that just said something. It just said something real important. Does that mean all of the Christians are being stung by these flying locusts? I don't think so. I think at this point, pretty much all of the Christians have already been killed. In other words, when the beast arises with the mouth speaking great things, he turns almost all of the world against all of the Christians, and they go and totally annihilate them. And that's what I talked about the other day, where he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here's the patience and faith of the saints. In other words, God commands the saints not to fight against them. In other words, this is the great purge 
the unbelievers killing the believers. This is the tares killing the wheat. And they do a pretty thorough job, in my opinion, at this point. Just about all of the Christians were eliminated quite a while ago. Why? Because we want to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Most of us, in my opinion, will have already been dead. Because for you to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that happens on Pentecost, you got to be dead. And that's we'll get to that topic, too. So when it says that they're commanded not hurt the grass or the earth or any green thing or any tree, only those men which have not the seal of God on their foreheads, it's pretty much not talking about the Christians. It's talking about these are the sinners that have pretty much already killed the Christians at this point. And God is in his infinite love and mercy is doing his very dead level best to bring havoc to these people, torment to them, to try to get them to repent. We'll get to that too. Verse 5. And to them it was given that they should not kill them. Now, he's talking about the locusts. But they should be tormented five months. And the torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he struck at the man. Now, it's about to describe what these guys look like. In those days shall men seek a death, and shall not find it. And shall desire to die, but death shall flee from them. My opinion is that these are the people that took the mark of the beast, and probably along with that were also offered an injection, and they were told that it's going to heal their DNA and give them eternal life. And literally, it does. Uh, that is, until Jesus decides to just kill them all with the morning star anyway. The shapes. Now, please hear the word locusts here. Don't hear the word horses. Hear locusts. The shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. It didn't say they're horses. They're locusts. They're insects. My opinion that each one of these insects probably weighs in the ballpark of around 100 pounds. We'll get to that. And the shapes of the locust were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of a woman. And their teeth was as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of the wings was the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. I believe that they're about a hundred pounds. The reason I say is because the sound of their wings is the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. If you have a small, well, like, for example, a mosquito. When you hear a mosquito, what does it sound like? It's a real high pitch. I just recently saw a hummingbird, and it was only about an inch tall. i never seen a hummingbird that small. It must have been a baby hummingbird. And you could barely even hear it. But again, it was a really high pitch. So the lower pitch means it's a larger object. My guess is that these do not have wings made of feathers. These have wings made of skin, similar to like a bat. If you've ever heard a bat fly, they make a lot of noise. Now, a bat is a small thing, about the size of a mouse, or maybe twice the size of a mouse, if they're a really large one. Try to imagine a bat that's the size of, say, 100 pounds. And this bat is flying all around, and they're not easy to kill. Let's go back and look at what it's describing them. And I'm going to try to help you understand, in my mind's eye, and I haven't seen them, but what I think it's describing. So it says the shapes of the locusts. So number one, they're locusts. They're a flying insect. And they had on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. I don't think that as crowns like has the little points and has the diamonds and the jewels and things like that in them. I think that their hair is like a woman. And my guess is that it's 
kind of a blonde hair. And then around it, it has a band, kind of like a woman wears a band around her head as if she's like wearing a sweatband to keep the hair out of her eyes. And that band is also kind of a gold looking. So it looks like a crown of gold to someone 2000 years ago, but it's probably more like a hairband to keep their, the hair of the woman out of their face. Their teeth, where's the teeth of lions? And I think that pretty much describes that. They're literally teeth that are very vicious. But there's two things to really remember here. They're not like horses, and they're very hard to kill. They have breastplates of iron. So try to picture these, probably about 100 pounds. They have wings like bats. That's just a guess because of the sound of the wings. They have a hair like a woman, face of a man, teeth like an iron, and they have breastplates. In other words, you, you can't just kill these things easily. They are really bad Ombres and they have t- uh, tails. Well, you hear, let, let me read that. It's about to say that. And they had tails like a scorpion's. And there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. So they fly around all over the earth. And pretty much the only thing that's on the earth five months from Jesus returning is the tares. Okay. So he's, these are sinners that have spent the last five or six years killing Christians. They've taken the mark of the beast, most of them. And even then, God is doing his very best to bring such terror and torment to them that they will repent and turn and receive Jesus. Now, obviously, if they've received the mark of the beast, they cannot undo that. They cannot repent of receiving the mark of the beast. But there's a lot of people at this point that haven't, and so he's trying to get them saved. Now, let's go on verse 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, that's the locust, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year, for to slay a third part of men. Now what's going on? These four angels are loosed out of the great river Euphrates. Now, this, it, all of a sudden, in my opinion, Revelation jumps here. It doesn't really go from how we got four angels, all of a sudden, the next verse that says, and the number of the army of horsemen. Okay, well, where did it come up with the horsemen? Where, it doesn't say anything that the, the four angels brought the horsemen, or the horsemen came out of the great river Euphrates. We're talking about only a few days before Armageddon hits. That's the day of the Lord, the day Jesus comes to burn the tares. And the number of the army of horsemen were 200,000. I heard the number of them. Thus, I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. Now, these, I believe, are literal horses. And these are not designed to sting men trying to get them to repent. This is... Destruction. I mean, they're trying to kill as many as possible, and they're little, literal horses. And when it says they're breastplates of fire, jacinth, and brimstone, I believe that's literally. In other words, we're talking about a horse, and out of his mouth comes fire and smoke and brimstone, and the whatever it is that sits on him has fire as a breastplate, and it jacinth and brimstone, and so the fire is like yellow, and jacinth is 
uh, kind of a red, and then brimstone is yellow. So what you see is fire and yellow and red. And then the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. Okay, let me back up a little bit. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and I think that literally means the front of this whatever sitting on this horse is on fire, and it's yellow and red. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. And I see that kind of like these fire-breathing dragons that we've heard about. And if you go back and I think it's Job 41, it talks about there's a Leviathan and a behemoth there. And one of them actually spews fire out of its mouth. There's also a thing called a bombardier beetle that has two chemicals with inside its body. And if you start bothering it, it mixes those chemicals and spews out and it comes out like fire and brimstone. So it's a chemical reaction inside these. All right, verse 18. By these three was a third part of the men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of the mouth. And their power was in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and they had heads and with them they do hurt. Now, in times past, I've Googled about this and there's <laughs> several different like children type uh, pictures that have been drawn by children, and they misunderstand what the scripture is saying. They picture them as horses, and then they picture the tails as if they were like snakes. I don't think their tails are like snakes. When it says their tails were like into serpent, serpents, I picture it more like kind of like a rock in a sock. In other words, their tails are like a snake that can whip around, but at the end of their tail is not like a snake head. At the end of their tail is kind of like a big rock. And so if you attack this horse that has a man, some kind of man on top of him, that has a head of a lion, and he breathes out fire, smoke, and brimstone, if you try to attack him from the backside, he kerwhack. He hits you with this long kind of a rope with a big, like, uh, try to picture a rope with, say, like a rock the size of a softball on the end of it. And if that rope were, say, eight, ten foot long, what damage could he do? If you're fighting him from the front, he can hit you. If you're fighting him from the back, he can hit you. He can swing that thing in any direction and kill you with fire, smoke, and brimstone. Now, the difference between the horses and the locusts is this. The locusts are designed to get people to repent. They don't kill people, but they torment them five months. However, these horses, these are designed to kill this is the second woe. We're near the end when at this point anybody's going to get saved. It's pretty much has already been saved. And at this point, he's just killing off the tares. It's just a form of just removing the evil people. However, the next part, you got to understand this or you miss several of the things in prophecy. Verse 20. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols made of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Now, actually, that sounds like not so important, but that's really, really important. Okay, so what's going on? This is a case where the locusts stung these people for five months. Now, the horses come out and kill a third of them with by the fire, by the smoke, and the brimstone. Yet, 
there's still a small group of people that absolutely will not repent. They will not repent of making their idols of gold, silver. They And then it goes on to say, and they didn't repent of their murders, sorceries, fornication, or thefts. What kind of people live with murder, sorceries, that's like drugs, fornication, obviously, that's just sex every place, and thefts? What kind of people live constantly murdering, doing drugs, fornicating, and thefts, just thieving. In other words, these are roving bands of people that are not part of society, and they basically go from camp to camp, robbing, stealing, killing, smoking dope, uh, taking marijuana or their heroin or whatever it is. In other words, we would call them just hoodlums today. We would call them gangs, something like that. These are what the Bible calls the nations. And at the end of time, they are the corners not harvested. These are the people that do not get eternal life. Their name is not in the book of life, but they didn't take the mark of the beast either. They're just roving gangs of murderers and dope smokers and sex-crazed people that are killing and thieving and stealing for a living. But they didn't take the mark, so they don't get destroyed. But they didn't receive Jesus either, so they don't get their name in the book of life. So they don't get eternal life. They are what the, uh, the Bible calls the nations. They are allowed to live for up to a thousand years. But if they break one law, and at the time they break that law, then one of the morning star judges is released and goes and hits them with the morning star, and they fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones. At the end of the thousand years, Satan should be loosed out of his prison, and he should go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to be- together to battle." The number of whom is as the sand of the sea. They went upon the breath of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints of the bout and the beloved city. Here it is. Here it is. This is the morning star again. Then fire from God out of heaven comes down and devours them. So these are the people that are allowed to live during the 1,000 years. But if they sin, they're immediately destroyed. Then at the end of the 1,000 years, they are all destroyed. That explains why in Ezekiel 38 verse 9, And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the handstaves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years, so that they take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any of the forests, for they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil them which spoil them and rob them which rob them, thus saith the Lord. That's the nation's. They aren't given a glorified body. They're not given eternal life. They never get their name in the book of life. They never get eternity. But at the end of the thousand years, they're all destroyed. October 4, 5, and 6, it's the Understanding End Times Conference, Living Word Fellowship, Evansville, Indiana. Friday evening, 6.30, I'll speak on my seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials chart. Saturday morning, 10 a.m., I'll speak on my feast and revelation prophecies chart. Saturday evening, 5 p.m., Leslie will speak on the Kundalini Spirit. Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I'll take half the time with Miss the Mark, my new book, and Leslie will take the rest of it. As you know, I'm called to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. I want you to come so I can lay hands on you and anoint you for you to receive two anointings. The spirit of revelation as I received it when I memorized the book of Revelation. Two, to work in sevenfold miracles when the judgment arrives. The room only holds 350 people, and the church is probably going to take from 100 to 150 of them, so it will fill quickly. 
I suggest you do the $25 registration quickly at endtimesconference.com. $25 registration at endtimesconference.com, October 4, 5, and 6, Understanding End Times Conference, Living Word Fellowship, Evansville, Indiana. See you there! In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. God showed me a single word, first fruits, is a secret door found in Revelation and Leviticus. When linked together, the end-time events can be placed in chronological order. For the first time, we can know what feast Jesus returns on, the feast for the judgment seat of Christ on the great white throne, the feast upon which the wheat is resurrected, and on the day the new Jerusalem comes down to earth. And even though I've been in Bible prophecy for 40 years, I freely admit to you that I knew nothing that is revealed in this book supernaturally. So you probably know nothing that is in this book. One prophetic word said, There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open unto you. It will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Don't get one for $20. Instead, get five for 30 or 10 for 55 Or a new case price, 60 books for $250. That's 60 books in a case for $250. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at prophecyclub.com. Prayerfully consider supporting the Prophecy Club with your gifts of support. We would not be here without your prayers and generous financial support. 